Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, as you all know, our subject on Wednesday evening is the subject of divine healing and walking in divine health. The subject of divine healing and walking in divine health. If you'll find our scriptures in Exodus, the 15th chapter, and the 23rd chapter, we'll just go over them again. Just think of it as a steak that you had the other day. Last Wednesday, we all had a T-bone. And you've been thinking about it since last week. Now we're just going to bring it back up and chew on it again. Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, you got to get another one out and chew on it again because you forget what it tastes like. I had one, you know, last time I had one, I don't remember what it tastes like. I had to have another one to find out. Last time I had spaghetti dinner, it tastes good. If you ask me about right now, I'd say you'd have to give me another one, you know, tonight so I'd know. So we're going to give you another one tonight. So open up that scripture again. And we're just going to let you eat on that steak for a while. Verse 26. And Father, as we approach your word, we do so with reverence and humility. Thanking you for the Holy Ghost. Who will bring forth the word and demonstration of the spirit and of power. To produce faith, not in the wisdom of men, but in the wisdom of the living God and the power of our living God. I thank you for it, Father God. I thank you for receptive hearts. I thank you, for Father God, for attentive ears, and I thank you for open minds, that your word may go forth in demonstration and to produce life, light, and love in the hearts of those that would hear it and receive it, to be implanted within them, dear Father God, to renew their minds and deliver them from their corrupt thinking, that they might be doers of the word, not hearers only, in Jesus' precious name, amen. In the 26th verse of the 15th chapter, we read, And said... If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will not allow any of the diseases upon thee, which I have allowed upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And in the 23rd chapter of the same book, we read with verse 25 and 26, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. This is the word of God. It's infallible. It cannot be broken. If God said it, he meant it. And here he is revealing his will to the Israelites and saying to them, I not only will heal your bodies, but I will bring you to a place in me and to a land that you'll dwell in where I will take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. But notice that there's a twofold working here. It's number one, he has to heal them, and that's going to come with their salvation. But number two, he's going to bring them to a place in him that they are free 
from the contaminating influences around them, the diseases and, and the sickness, disease germs that are around us, and that they are absolutely free from sickness and disease. In other words, they will go to a place in him that they won't be permitted to live on the Israelites' bodies. And, of course, there's more. As a matter of fact, I want to say this now. As I have been teaching and laid this foundation last week, we will pick it up here. We begin to lay a foundation concerning some of these things in this type back here in the book of Exodus when it talks about the, the uh, deliverance of the Israelites from the Egyptian bondage. It's a type and a shadow. Uh, Paul referred to it in the book of Corinthians. The writer in the book of Hebrews referred to it. It explains some things that we need to know. And so we're laying a foundation. Not only will this bring you to a place uh, that you can be healed and stay healthy, it'll bring you to a place in Him that you'll dwell with all these benefits that you see here. Everything that He named here. As a matter of fact, we saw that it was actually wrought in the lives of the Israelites in the 105th Psalm in verse 37. Now, I referred to it, but I've never looked at it. So let's turn there and look at it. We'll give you the dessert. You had your steak. Now, let's look at the dessert. 105th Psalm in verse 37. Here, the psalmist is meditating upon that which God did for them when they were delivered out of this bondage. In the 105th Psalm and verse 37. Actually, this psalm, the entirety of the psalm, is describing the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. God is faithful to do what He said He would do in His Word. He is faithful. If He said it, He will bring it to pass. In the 37th verse, notice. Well, let's back up to the 36th verse, just to show you that it's talking about their deliverance from Egypt. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Now, we refer to the last part of this verse that says, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, it also says they came out with silver and gold. Now, that's another whole issue. In other words, they came out prosperous and they came out healed or whole. Now, can you imagine about three million people over there in this terrible bondage, over there under the rule of this new king who did not like them and didn't want them to grow, who was throwing their babies into the river and he just wanted to destroy them? Can you imagine how, you know, how they were burdened and afflicted and how their bodies must have been? Under all this labor? Can you imagine how the older folk probably were, you know, just like a lot of older folk you know today? Uh, up in years and complaining about every little thing that's bothering. You know, and there's just a lot of them like that, you know. But listen to me. You, you hang around here, you'll find out you don't have to, have to bother with that. We'll get you talking Joshua talk. We'll get you talking Caleb talk. Caleb says, I was 40 when this all started. And I'm 85 now. And now that I'm 85, my strength is, is right now the same as it was back then, both to come in and go out and both to do war. And if he can fight a war at 85, bless God, we can walk around without any arthritis or sickness or disease in our bodies at 85. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? Amen. Well, here we see that they came out and there was not one feeble among their time. Three million people. When they were delivered out of this bondage were instantaneously healed those that were sick. And they came out with, with strength in their bodies. They came out whole and healthy. And so, consequently, God, you know, fulfilled His Word. Now, there's a twofold effect that I want to bring out to you. Number one, when they were actually delivered, 
They had to follow what God said at the Passover. Now, this was when the Passover was instituted, and uh, they had to partake of the lamb, and they had to, you know, use and apply the blood. When they did this, they would be delivered. We can call this their first deliverance. Now, entering into the promises is not really talking about their first deliverance. You see, there was a second full effect. Once they were delivered, and we can relate it to us and say, once you were born again, that's not all God wants for you. When you were born again, you were delivered from the bondage of death. You were delivered from darkness. You were delivered from Satan in the world, and so on. Okay? But that's not what we're referring to. We're not talking about their initial deliverance. There is an initial deliverance, and then there, then there is an entering into all the promises of God. In other words, there's an entering into the fullness of their inheritance. Okay? We're not talking about the initial deliverance, but we're going to bring the types together to show you concerning it. Now, when they were delivered in the beginning, when they were actually delivered and there was not one people among their tribe, what, what they were saying was every single one of them were equally delivered. They were all free from Egypt. They were all healed in their bodies had they need of healing. Every single one of them were equal in, in, in every other way. Now, the only thing that happened in this nation was instead of progressing into the fullness of their inheritance, when they got out there, they began to regress and backslide. When they got into the wilderness, it was the intention of God that they go right into the fullness of their blessings. Praise God that they got saved and healed. And there wasn't one people among their tribe. But that's not the end of it. They had to get to the place of the fullness of that inheritance where they would live free from sickness and disease and all the other things that God said he would do for them. But from the time of their deliverance to the time they entered in, we found out that many of them fell by the wayside. And actually, there's only two that entered in. And we're going to look at them. I think it's necessary we understand how these two fellows entered in. Now, you and I have not been delivered from satanic bondage. We've not been delivered from the world system so that we could be like these Israelites wandering in the wilderness, carried about with every wind of doctrine, being tossed to and fro by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But we've been delivered so that we can come into the unity of the faith, under the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature, under the fullness of Christ, and enter into the fullness of our inheritance by growing up into Him in all things. By speaking the truth in love. Now, that's the intention that God had for us. And the intention God had for Israel was that they enter into this place where they can enjoy the fullness of their inheritance. Now, according to these types and shadows, really what God wanted for them is found in the 91st Psalm. You're over there, 106. Go back to the 91st Psalm and mark this down. Verse 14. You'll follow, if you'll follow me with type, these types and shadows and begin to see how this was an example for us to follow, then you'll begin to understand where, not only where you come from, where you've been delivered, what you've been delivered from, but also where you're at in your walk. Now, are you progressing in your redemption or are you regressing? Are you going backwards? Have you been delivered from bondage just to go back into bondage? Or have you been delivered from bondage to be totally set free? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, 
You're my disciple indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now listen to me. He didn't say falling under the power sets you free. He didn't say seeing miracles and signs and wonders will set you free. He didn't say seeing an angel come down from heaven and having a vision will set you free. He said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed, and you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And bless God, when you got the truth of God's word in your heart, you don't need to see an angel. You don't need to fall under power. You just got to stand there and just stand upon the authority of God's word and say, in Jesus' mighty name, I receive that which is already done for me, and you've got it. Bless God. Amen? Okay. Now, here, notice this. Because he had set his love upon me, verse 14, therefore will I deliver him. That's deliverance number one. That is referring to your initial salvation. You were delivered. Number two, I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Now what he's saying is here, you need a revelation. You need to have a revelation of the name of God. And we'll expound on these later. Number three, when he calls upon me, I will answer him. This is the place God wanted him to be in. He knew that once they got delivered, that there'd be a place, there'd be a place they'd have to run into, into Canaan's land, that there would be times they would have to call upon him instead of murmuring and complaining. And if they would, he would answer, he said. Okay, I will send him on high, he said. I will call, they call upon me, I'll answer them. I will be with him in trouble. He knew they were going to have trouble. He knows that even though you got born again, there's trouble was attempting, endeavoring to come your way to destroy you because he knows the enemy's out there. But when you're in trouble, some people get all upset about it. Did you check out what he said he was going to do when you get in trouble? Man, kick up your heels. He says, I'll be with you in trouble. And there's your second deliverance, friend. He doesn't just deliver you once. Say, I'll deliver you and I will honor. I'd rather have honor of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords than the President of the United States and every, any dignitary I could think of in this, this land and all the lands put together. I'd rather have honor with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I will honor you. Look at the history. Here's the fullness of their inheritance. And with long life will I satisfy you. Satisfaction with long life and the knowledge of his salvation. I'll show it to you. Think about him showing to you the fullness of his salvation. This was the intent of God. This is what he had wanted for them. But now notice, we've got the first deliverance. They all came out with the same everything, equality. All delivered from the same Egyptian bondage. All delivered from death, the death angel, the death of the firstborn, spiritual death. All delivered from sickness and disease in their bodies. All delivered from all their weaknesses and infirmities. All delivered from that place of bondage and set free. But when they took off and began to go towards the land that God had for them, there was some more things that they needed to understand about God. And he said for them to hurry up and enter into the fullness. Now let's go back and bring these types and shadows together. Let's go back to this book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, and uh, let's look at it. And let's study it in light of the new. I want to bring in both you know, types, the Old Testament and the new, and show you and reveal to you how it's important for us to understand what actually took place here in Egypt, in their deliverance, in their wilderness experience, and they're finally entering into the you know, promised land. Now, in the 12th chapter of this book, we find out that the 
Passover is instituted. Now, I want you to make a mental note of this. Not only will you learn how to be healed and walk in divine health, but you'll also learn how to appropriate everything that God said he would do for them in that 23rd chapter, you know, 15th chapter, 23rd chapter, verses 25 and 26. He'll bless your bread. He'll bless your water. Take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. You'll worship the Lord with all your heart. There will none be barren in the land. I'll give you a long life. No premature deaths. Friends, are you hearing me? No premature deaths. Someone says, well, I know somebody that died prematurely. That's not what God said. I can't base my, my life, you know, on someone's experience. I've got to base my life and my belief on what God said. And what God said is so. If we're going to make anybody a liar, it's not going to be me. Or, I mean, it's not going to be me making God a liar. I'm going to be making somebody else a liar and not God. God said it. And friends, when you start realizing the integrity of God's Word, that's when God's Word begins to work for you. When you start to realize that God said it, it's got to be so. Whether a thousand fall by my side and ten thousand fall on my right hand, it won't come nigh me if I stand fast upon God's Word. So don't base your life on me and my experience. I could fall, but I'm not planning on it. But you can't base your life on me. Someone says, well, you know, our pastor, you know, he ran off and did all these other things and ran off with somebody and got married and did this and did that. And, you know, and so we don't have a church anymore. Well, why aren't you having church anymore? Well, the pastor backslid. Well, just because he backslid, why do you have to backslide? Amen? I don't plan on backsliding. Don't look at me like that. I'm not doing a backslide. But some people do that, you know. They say, well, the pastor backslid, so you know, everybody's if church is falling apart. Church don't have to fall apart if Jesus is Lord over that church. If Jesus is the shepherd of that church. Amen. Start believing what God said is so, not in your experience, and you'll find out you have great success with God. I'm not going to take time to read all this because I've got a lot to say tonight. But over here, if you'll begin to read this, you'll find out that the Passover was instituted and Moses in verse 3 was to speak unto the congregation of Israel and say to them, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take unto every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. In other words, they were to pick out a, a spotless, flawless lamb. That lamb was to uh, be sacrificed. The blood was to be poured into a basin, and the flesh was supposed to be roasted with fire, and they were supposed to eat of it. It is called the Passover. The Passover. And this is instituted here with Moses and the children of Israel. And upon their obedience to what God told them to do, and upon their twofold application, the blood and the flesh, there would be a twofold effect. Number one, the blood would protect them from death. Number two, uh, the flesh when totally taken. Look at verse 10. You shall let nothing of it remain. When they ate all the flesh of the lamb, then they would be healed. They would be protected from spiritual death, and they would be protected from sickness and disease, or they would be healed in their bodies. This is what happened, and this is how every single one of them that partook of it, all three, two or, two, two or three million, how many there were, you know, there were, every one of them, was all well. There was not one feeble among their tribes. So it's important that we understand that. Now, Jesus was our Passover lamb. Jesus was the, the lamb, the sacrifice without spot nor blemish. Now, the type that we have here, no, we're not in Egypt. Pharaoh is not the king. 
And you know, we're not bound under all their afflictions and persecutions and, and, and burdens that they had. We're not literally delivered from a physical type of bondage, although you can be if, you, if you're bound, you know, in your body. But what he's saying here is when Jesus was to come, that Jesus, who is our lamb, who is our sacrifice, would deliver us from another type of bondage. Now, that bondage is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want to. I'll just, you know, speak it to you. Colossians 1, 12 and 13, verses 12 and 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. Notice there's another inheritance involved. They had an inheritance. But they didn't enter into the fullness of their inheritance, although they were delivered. Inheritance in the saints of light, who hath delivered us. See, that's your first deliverance in 91st Psalm. He had the, because we set our love upon him, he what? Delivered us. That's your first deliverance. Delivered us from the power or authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. All of our deliverance, every single one of us, was equal. We've all been delivered from that authority of darkness. We've all been translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love because we partook of the Lamb. We've applied the blood and we've applied the flesh. Now because of it, we have obtained this deliverance. We have obtained an inheritance. We've been made a partaker of that inheritance. Now he went on to say that we are officially redeemed and all our sins have been remitted. Now, in type and shadow, if you can visualize it, the Israelites, because they partook of that lamb, were delivered from a physical bondage that they would have to work out spiritually. But you and I have been delivered from a spiritual bondage that would be worked out physically. I'll say it again. Israel's deliverance was a physical deliverance. It was a physical nation they were in bondage to. There are spiritual things behind it, but it's a physical bondage. bondage. It's a physical deliverance. Now, their deliverance and God working and dealing with them was in the physical realm. He had to work these things out in the physical realm to affect them spiritually. All right? That's why the law was condemnation. Because they were spiritually dead and God couldn't get to them to show them how you know, dead they were unless He gave a law that was holier than they could act. So consequently, when they saw they couldn't keep up to the holiness of the law, it condemned them and made them feel unworthy and made them feel like as though they couldn't serve God and they needed to have a sacrifice. And you know God provided a sacrifice. But their deliverance was a physical one because their bondage was a physical one. And they had to work this thing out so that they could obtain a spiritual deliverance, which was yet to come in Jesus. But now you and I have not, we're not in Egypt. We're in the United States. We're in Midland, Pennsylvania. We were not in bondage to Israel. We're not even a bondage to the United States of America. Amen? we got freedom in this country. We've been bound to no man. But I'll tell you what, you are bound up by the devil. And when you partook of that lamb and you were born again of the Spirit of God, you at that moment, you were born again, you were delivered and you were healed. This is a spiritual deliverance that needs to be worked out in the physical realm. Okay? Now, in this same psalm, 91st psalm that we were in, I want you to know, we have to have a revelation of the name of God after we are delivered. 
Egypt was delivered, or Israel was delivered from Egypt, and they had to enter into the promised land. But in that wilderness, they had, had need of a revelation from God. Without a revelation from God, although they were delivered, they would get back into bondage. They wouldn't enter into the fullness of their benefits, of their inheritance. Now, even though you and I have been delivered, we set a love upon them. How many here set your love upon them? That means he hath delivered you, right? How many of you are delivered from the powers of darkness? How many of you have been translated to the kingdom of the Son of His love? Every one of you. Now, notice what he says here. I will set you on high because you know. You know. You know. That's knowledge. See, revelation knowledge. Because you know my name. In other words, even though you and I have been delivered from the bondage of Satan, if we don't get a revelation of the name of Jesus, you'll go right off back into bondage. If you don't get a revelation of the name of Jesus, even though you were delivered, you'll just wander in the wilderness. You'll stay out there and be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You'll never get your total healing. You'll never get prosperity. you never walk in the fullness of your inheritance. You'll be like a beggar walking out there just like they were in the wilderness and then dying out there. No, just because you got delivered doesn't mean you can't get back into bondage. I want you to see the twofold effect here. I want you to understand that. Well, God's intention was Israel to enter into this place of inheritance, wasn't it? Was it not God's intention that they enter into a place of, of uh, freedom from sickness and disease and poverty and all these things that would beset them and befall them? Sure it was. Did they make it? Well, we, uh, last week we studied and said that Moses came to the land and he didn't make it in. Aaron came to the land come up to the borderland, you know, and he looked and couldn't enter in. Miriam, she didn't make it, she didn't make it to the border. And uh, the ten spies, they didn't make it. They were cowards. They were fearful. And so consequently, they didn't believe God. They didn't make it into the promised land. Israel, they were murmurers, backbiters. They were murmuring against God. They were speaking against God. And God says, so if you've spoken in my ears, so shall it be done unto you. You will die in this wilderness. You will enter into this promised land, although I prepared it from the foundations of the world. Isn't this amazing? If you'll read the first chapter and second chapter of Genesis, you'll find out that God prepared the rest for man in the beginning when he created Adam. Adam never entered into it. Although the works were finished or, you know, brought to perfection from the foundation of the world, Adam did not enter in. So God had to endeavor to work out another plan of salvation for man to get man back to a place that he can enter into his rest. And he got it all taken care of. He got Canaan's land all prepared. Sent an angel before their face. Said, I'll drive out the inhabitants of the land. And I'll bring you into the land. I want you to rest in me. I'll be your God. And, and, and I'll treat you like, you know, like children. And even though it was prepared for them, the Israelites did not enter in. And neither did any of the rest of them. But Joshua and Caleb did. Joshua and Caleb, they entered into that promised land. And now, God is saying to you and to me today, He didn't deliver us from the authority of darkness so that you and I can walk around this world like a wilderness, in a wilderness, like they did in a wilderness, being tossed to and fro and beat, you know, all over the place by these demonic forces and influences, being in bondage to sickness and diseases, being in bondage to this monetary system, and, and you know, in bondage to finances. He didn't call us to a place that we can just stay out in this wilderness and starve to death. He didn't do that. He brought you to a place that you can enter in to the fullness of what He has for you so that He can act and be a God unto you and a Father unto you and protect you under His wings. Don't you remember that Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets? 
How long I would have gathered thee under my wings as a hand doth gather her chicks. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, but you would not. The Father's saying to you today, I've given birth to you. You are my children. You are my offspring. I've adopted you. I've birthed you into my kingdom and my family. All I want to do now is just bring you to a place in me that I can just put out my arms and put you underneath my wings and just take care of you in every aspect of your life. That's what the Father's saying to us. But isn't it a sad thing that people get born again, they get delivered, and they remain spiritual babies all their life, and they wander around the wilderness never getting into the fullness of what God has for them. And you know why? Because people that are in that five-fold ministry are not teaching the truth. They are not teaching the Word. They are not teaching how to do it. And that fivefold ministry, beloved, was to teach people not to have a song. And I thank God for song. You know, there's a lot of ministries that are based just on music. I like music. I like singing and worshiping God. But I tell you, when the devil comes knocking on your door, you better have more than a song. You better have the Word inside your heart. Amen. I mean, I, I've been to some places where I, I, thank God, I mean, the Spirit of God moved in spite of it, not because of it. I'd go there to preach, and I'd get the, I'd get the, I'd get the thing like about, you know, start at 7 o'clock, I wouldn't get to preach until about something to 9. And by that time, everybody's ready to go home. You know. Listen, we've got to emphasize the Word. I'm not emphasizing music. I praise God for music. You know, praise and worship is the highest expression of your faith. But if you don't have faith, you're not going to express anything. I'm just going to express, you know, a lot of hot air. And I don't want to do that. I, I want to have it. When I sing unto the Lord, I want to sing the word unto the Lord. And I want to watch the devil turn and go on to run. Now, that's how we should be. The word comes first. I praise God that the word is living mightily in us and in this place. Because when trouble comes your way, friends, you've got to have the word of God tucked away inside your heart. Now, I brought this out for a reason. We have got to come to the land. Now, I want you to see this clearly. I want to use this, in, this type as an example. They were delivered. They came to the border of the land. Could not enter in. It was God's will they enter in. He wanted them to enter in. He planned that they enter in. But they didn't enter in. The initial deliverance is not the same as entering into that land. When you got born again, someone say, well, look, when I got born again, I entered into Jesus and I got all there is. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Legally, everything is yours. But you've got to make it vital. These people were legally delivered. But I saw in my Bible that them, them Egyptians just got on their trail and began to follow them and chase them and wanted to kill them. When you got delivered from the devil, he's come right up the rear trying to wring your neck if he could. That's what he wants to do. I'm not going to let them. When you got delivered, you had three foes. When they got delivered, they had three foes. The devil, the world, and the flesh. Now, you initially have been delivered from... You say, how do I do that? Look at that 94 Psalm, verse 14 again. Ninety-first Psalm, verse 14 again. I will set him on high because he knows my name. That's the second part of this. I will therefore... 
Because he set his love upon me, therefore I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he hath known my name. I will set him on high. Because he hath known my name. Once you were delivered, you set your love upon him. He delivered you. That's exactly where the Israelites were out of Egypt. They set their love upon him. He delivered them. That's exactly where they were. But now note, they didn't enter into the land. I will set you on high because you know my name, because you have a revelation of my name. Before we can enter into this place, this promised land, you need a revelation of the name of Jesus. In Proverbs 18, look at it, verse 10. Yes, the name of Jesus delivered you, but do you have a revelation of what that name can do for you, and is it a reality in your life so that he is doing it for you with his name? If not, then you haven't come to this land yet. Some Christians don't even know that Jesus' name is above every sickness and disease in the world. Some people don't know that his name is above sin. Don't look at me like that. His name is above sin. Did you know that? Let me, let, me say, let me say something right here. Someone said to me, well, you know, have you sinned since you've been saved? I said, well, certainly. Have you? Yeah. He said, see, you're going to sin anyhow, so what's the use? I said, that's not my attitude, friend. I may have sinned since I've been saved, but I've used the name of Jesus to wipe that thing out. And as far as I'm concerned in my life, I don't have to sin anymore. My attitude is the name of Jesus is above sin, and I'm endeavoring to get to a place in my life that sin has no, it has no dominion over me legally. I want it to be vital in my life that I just walk in the fullness of God, don't you? Okay, you have to have a revelation of the name of Jesus and what it'll do for you. Look at Proverbs 18, 10, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Israelites got delivered and were to go to Canaan's fair. Okay? They were to run there and get into it as fast as they can to enter into the fullness of their inheritance. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I will set him on high because he hath known my what? My what? Because he hath known my name, a revelation of the name. Now note this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth, runneth. You can't get righteous until you're born again. The righteous runneth into it and is saint. Now, the word saint there means set aloft. Set aloft. Set aloft. I will set him on high. Because why? He hath known my name. Once a child, a child of God is born again, when you're born again, you become a child of God, you don't have the fullness of the revelation of that name. Now, you got saved by that name. And I praise God you got saved by that name. I got saved by that name. But you've got to grow to a place in God, and the faster you do it, the quicker you run into it, the quicker you're going to run into safety. And you're going to find out all of what that name encompasses. You're going to find out that that name has authority in all three worlds, and you need to run into that name. The children of Israel had to run into Canaan's land, but they didn't make it. You and I, once we get born again, we've got to run into the fullness of that name and discover the fullness of that name by coming to that name, possessing all that that name stands for, and dwelling in what that name represents.
That's a threefold effect of it. I'll show you that in a minute. But anyhow, he said, when the Christian comes into this name of Jesus, when the believer, after he's delivered, learns and has a revelation of the name of Jesus, it said, because of it, you will be set aloft or you will be set on a high place or a place of, you know, a vantage point. Now listen. Back then, they needed a revelation from God and they got the law. The law that was operating in their camp was in opposition to the laws of sin and death. As long as they would obey the law that God gave them, they would be protected from the law of sin and death. As long as Israel kept the covenant, they were free from sickness and disease. But when they broke the covenant, the law of sin and death took its toll and effect upon their lives and they began to get sick and die. Okay. The righteous, when they run into the name of Jesus and have a revelation of that name, they begin to appropriate what we call the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is a higher law than the law of sin and death. Now, in that law, which is above the law of sin and death, we begin to operate from that vantage point. It's like the law of gravity and the law of lift. The law of gravity is an operation in the earth. But when someone operates the law of lift, that law of lift is a higher law than the law of gravity. It doesn't mean that the law of gravity is not an operation. It means there's a higher law in operation, and that higher law will override this lower law. Now, the law of sin and death, which carries with it sickness and disease and germs and all these things that are ungodly that are trying to destroy us, they are operating in this lower atmosphere. And it's a, it's, it's a, I believe it's a fact, a scientific fact, that when, when they get beyond this first atmosphere... Get beyond that and get in that, you know, beyond, way beyond that into the outer limits of it, that there are no sickness and disease germs that can kill. You say, well, how come? Well, that's very easy to understand. Those are wicked spirits in high places. Those are spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And the rulers of the darkness of this world, they were sent, or let's say kicked out of heaven, came down to this atmosphere, and they are ruling from that atmosphere. And wherever the devil's at, that's where all the germs are at. But he says, I'm going to give to you a new law, a higher law, that's operative out of the name of Jesus. It's the law of the spirit of life, that when you appropriate that law, you will live above sickness and disease germs. And that's why he said here in this 91st Psalm, that I will set you on high because you have a revelation of my name. And imagine this. If you're up above those disease germs, then they can't get a hold of you. Actually, if, you, if, you could, if I may... Say it like this. You have taken what's beyond that atmosphere, which is the glory of God, and you have brought it down into this atmosphere, and you dwell under the shadow of the Almighty, and the glory of God is emanating from you, and it's all around you, and you've brought that which is beyond it into this place. You may be in the world, but you are not of this world, and you're operating from that world down here. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I brought it here. You see what I'm saying? Now, the righteous got to run into that. First of all, here's the threefold way to do it. Let's go back to, um, well, yeah, let's look at it right now. Let's go to Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter. We'll look at it now, and I want to bring something else out. 26th chapter, Deuteronomy. Now, whenever Israel disobeyed the laws of Moses that were given to them, then the law of sin and death began to take its toll. 
I want you to note that divine protection or the grace of God can only operate as long as obedience to the law was carried out by the Israelites. As soon as they disobeyed that law, then they fell under the law of sin and death, and they were exposed to and vulnerable to the germs and the diseases that were around and all the other things that would destroy them. Here's how they were to enter into this land. In the 26th chapter, verse 1, It shall be when thou art come into the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, for an inheritance. Now, wait a minute. They're already delivered. And so are you already delivered. But a lot of Christians have not entered into the land yet. This is apart from your salvation, your initial deliverance. I want you to see this clearly. We're talking about entering into this place in God that He has vitally become to you your every... every... Thing, every all in all, that you, everything you need, your everything, everything that you could possibly want is found when you enter into this place. Now look what it says. It shall be when thou art come. Circle that word come. You cannot enter into the land until you've come to the land. Now, coming to the land means coming to a place of knowledge coming to a place of knowledge of all that God's will is for you. Notice, it is a physical thing in Israel, but it is a spiritual thing in you. If they got into the land itself, then they would be protected, and you know all the things God said He would do for them. Bless their bread, bless their water, long life, etc. But you and I, it's not a physical thing. I don't have to go over to Canaan's land. I have come, got to come to a land of revelation of the name of God. And if you'll just study the name of God and all that that name will do for you and has done for you, you'll have a revelation of all that His will is for you. He doesn't just say that I'll heal you. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, thy God, the physician. And if my father is the physician that can heal anything, then it means I'm his son, and bless God. That, that settles it right there. You see what I'm saying? Okay, now look it. Thou art come to the land. You've got to come to this place of knowledge. See, a lot of Christians haven't come to the place uh, that, that, that they know that God wants them totally healed. Okay, number two. You've come to the land. He said, now, I've given you this land for inheritance, and possess the land. Number two, possess the land. The word there, possession, it means to possess it by force or to take it by force. You've got to come to the land and you've got to possess the land. Once you've been born again, are you hearing me? Once you've been born again, you've still got to come to the land. And then you've got to possess the land. And thirdly, you've got to dwell in the land. You've got to come to the land. You've got to take that land, possess it by force. And then you have got to dwell in the land. Now, they came to the land. That's as far as they went. They came to the land, but they couldn't enter in. They could not possess it. The Lord spoke and says, you can't possess this land because of your disobedience to what I told you to do. Now, 
I want you to hold your... No, don't even hold your place there. Go to Hebrews 4. I want to show you something that I think is strong in its wording. It's strong in its meaning. It's so... It's, it's put this way because it had to be a powerful message to the hearer. How many of you know that God hasn't given you the spirit of fear? You know that for a fact? Now, I mean that. You know that. How many of you know that in the Bible there's at least 365 times that the Bible says, Thou shalt fear not, fear not, fear not. How many of you know that? One for every day of the year. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. God doesn't want you to fear. How many of you know God doesn't want you to fear? You know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God doesn't want you to fear. You know that? He doesn't want you to fear the devil. He doesn't want you to fear disease. He doesn't want you to fear anything that could come your way, troubles and circumstances. No fear. Look at verse 1. Let us therefore fear. What a bad confession. Paul. That's no bad confession. That is a warning from the general surgeon of heaven that says, You better fear. And I'm going to show you why. Let us therefore fear us. Wait a minute, we're born again Christians. What do you mean fear? Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Moses came short of it. Aaron came short of it. Miriam came short of it. The spies came short of it. All Israel came short of it. They didn't enter into it. Now you better fear lest you come short of it. I thought I entered in. I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved. You're first delivered from the Egyptian bondage. But you've got Canaan's land to enter into. You've got a land flowing with milk and honey to enter into. And that comes with revelation. That is the progress of your redemption. That comes by a revelation of what God has. And it only comes by faith. And you are to run. Look at verse 11. Let us labor. Let us use speed, therefore, to enter into... You see what I'm saying? That's why we got so many Christians that are wandering around in the wilderness. They thought they got it all when they got saved. Well, you did in a sense legally, but redemption is more than just legal, it's vital. See? It's vital. You say, well, I don't know why God did it like that. Well, listen to me. First of all, you couldn't get a revelation of God until you got born again. Then once you got born again, he had to get rid of all your doctrine. Then you had to learn about him. And if you didn't have any doctrine, then you were in a good position just to learn about Him. But if you had a lot of doctrine, you know, a lot of a background of all kind of garbage that you were taught, He had to undo a lot and then start to do, you know, in you. And there you were, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine in the wilderness, going back and forth. Does God want to heal me? Maybe He doesn't want to heal me. Is it His will to heal me? You've got to say, if it be Thy will, Lord. If it be Thy will, Lord, will you heal me? Well, I don't know. How am I supposed to know if it's His will? If, it, if I don't know, well, if He heals you, it's His will. If He doesn't heal you, then it's not His will. So just fight. And you're just like a yo-yo. Toss to and fro in the wilderness. Every wave that comes along knocks you over. This one knocks you over. If you went into the power twice, then you get healed. And if you didn't get into the power, then you get healed. And that, that's how Christians are. Stop that wandering in the wilderness. Forget about it. Take what the Word of God says and run into that name of Jesus. And don't stop. You keep on running. Don't be like the Israelites. I mean, they had all opposition against them. If You, you talk about... You, you, they were delivered and you were delivered, okay? 
The Egyptians, Pharaoh and the Egyptians that were behind them, that was a type of de demons and Satan himself coming up the rear after you. And they was dictating to you, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're, going, you're not going to be 70 years old. Everyone that's ever said, I'm going to live to be 80, 90 by reason of strength, 120, and he's back to saying, you're going to die, you're going to die before your time, you're going to die, you can't live this faith life, you're going to die. And then they're walking ahead and they see the world before them. They got mountains on this side, mountains on that side, the, you know, the, the sea before them, and, the, and the, the, everything around them, the world saying, you're going to die in this wilderness, you're going to die in this wilderness, you're going to die in this wilderness. So you got the devil, you got the world, and I mean, they're all telling you you're going to die before you, you, know, you get into the promised land. Finally, he calls upon God. God says, use the word. Use the rod and split the red scene, go across on dry shop, and Miriam starts jumping and hooping and hollering for joy. And I mean, she was just all excited. She's one of those all on fire emotional ones, and she's just, just dancing the jig, you know, and just all over the place. And that's not going to get you to the promised land. Thank God I was delivered. I thank God I kicked up my heels. I thank God I began to shout and rejoice with all of you that we're all saved into the family of God. I wouldn't want to go back there for no nothing. I thank God for what I know right now. Hallelujah. Okay, now listen to me. That was the devil speaking to them. That was the world speaking to them. Now, are you ready for this? As soon as they got across that land and the nightfall became, came, they heard a bunch of stomachs growling. And their flesh was saying in the growls, you're going to die in this wilderness. You're going to die in this wilderness. You're going to die. You have nothing to drink. You have nothing to eat. That's exactly. That's exactly what you're faced with once you get saved. You are faced with the devil with the world and with your flesh. And all three of them agree in one that you're going to die in the wilderness. You're going to die in the wilderness. You're not going to make it to the promised land. Every single thing that comes your way is going to dictate and tell you, you're sick and you're going to die. The devil's going to say, you're sick and you're going to die. You're not healed. And the world for sure is going to tell you, you're sick and you're going to die. Okay? Miriam got real quiet and started murmuring and complaining. The children of Israel said, yeah, we go. it's okay if the, if the devil and the world and the flesh agree with it. I don't care. Don't you agree with it. Don't your spirit man agree with it. You agree with what the Word of God says about you. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's all right. I think we need to understand this. Let us therefore fear. We are to fear lest the promise left us of entering in. We come short of it. And here's what I want to say to you. Once they got to a place that they could not enter in, and God spoke and said to them that it's impossible for you to enter in now. Even though I promised you, even though it was my will, even though I sent the angel before your face, even though I did all that for you because of what you've done in this time from your deliverance up until now, you will not enter. Now, you ready for this? That means, friends, you can get such bad teaching inside your spirit. You can get so many winds of doctrine inside your spirit. You can hear so many times that God don't want to do this for you and God don't want to do that for you and God's the cause of all your problems. You can get your spirit man so messed up on the inside that you'll get to a place that you will fall short of entering into that rest and you will be subjected, subjected to the world and its means of providing your needs. And you'll never enter into the fullness of God. There's a danger. That's why the warning came out. You know, he warned us and said, don't you dare. You better fear. You talk about a fearful thing. How fearful do you think the Israelites were when God said to them, I have left your carcasses for the fowls of the air? I'll tell you what. Feet don't fail me now. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. 
He said, run as fast as you can into the name of Jesus. Say it with me right now. The name of Jesus is above sin, is above sickness, is above disease, is above poverty, is above circumstances, and all enemies. And I am running into that name. I have a revelation of that name. And that name to me is as ointment poured forth. And because of that name, I have been set aloft in the high places, in the mighty tower of God, and I am protected. I'm in my Canaan's land. Hallelujah. See? Now operate from there. Don't operate from down here. Don't operate from the wilderness. Now God's intention was that they hurry in. And I don't think it'll be, I can't justify what I have taught unless I actually go back to the book of Numbers. <clears throat> and I've been waiting to do this. Oh, tape system don't fail me either. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You could preach this kind of stuff all day and all night. Look at the... You've got all night. How many you got? Look at the uh, 14th chapter. <clears throat> I said all that just to lay a foundation. Just to lay a foundation. I wish I could go in depth in all the things we talked about. Concerning the negative side of it and, and even greater depth. But I want to get into the positive so bad. I want you to see here. I want you to grab a hold of the two that made it. You know, for the life of me, why do Christians always set up for an example those that did not make it? Why does someone always set up as an example of healing the one that died and didn't make it? Why did I praise God for their lives? I thank God that person's in heaven. I'm not against that person in any way, shape, form, fashion, or how. I love them. But you know, the Bible says that we have got to walk our life by faith. And we've got to live by faith that I am responsible for this life right here. And you're responsible for yours. And I, I want to live out my life in the fullness, don't you? Okay? I'm not going to follow the ten spies or Moses or Aaron or Miriam. And I'm not going to be frightened because they failed to make it. I'm not going to even be frightened because a man, you know, with the integrity of, of Moses didn't make it. I, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say the greatest of all the prophets was John the Baptist. And the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. That's you and me. Amen. We're in the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay, look it. Over here in the 14th chapter and verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But, oh, when God says but, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all those men which have seen my glory... And my miracles. Have you been slain in the Spirit? Did you see His glory? Did you see His miracle? They did too. And, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. What good was it to fall into the power? What good was it to see the glory of God? 
neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. They missed out on what God wanted them to have. But, look at another but, hallelujah. But my servant Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Now go up here. Verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, First of all, as truly as I live, the glory shall fill the earth. Now as truly as I live, as they've spoken in my ears, it'll be done unto them. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years up, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come to the land, which I swear or lifted up my right hand to make you enter in. Look at verse 30. Uh, latter part. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Okay? Caleb followed him wholly. But the rest followed him slothfully. They disobeyed. They murmured and complained. When they got to a place of hardship, they didn't know how to walk by faith. They only walked by sight. And because of it, they could not enter the promised land. Now look at what um, Caleb said. Let's go back to verse chapter 13. Chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 30. When they went to spy out the land, ten of the spies came back with a negative report, an evil report. But Caleb came back and said, verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. What? What did he say? How many came to the land? Twelve. They actually came to the land. Okay? How many possessed the land? Two. Out of all, not only the twelve spies, I'm talking about everybody, all the three million. Three million. From 20 years on up, even say two million. Two entered in and the children to the promised land. They possessed it. How many came to it? How many possessed it? Now, here's your promised land. Since you've been delivered, if you have a need of healing, 1 Peter 2.24 is your revelation that says, With his stripes you were healed. 
if you've been delivered, Matthew 8, 17, is your, your land. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. How many come to it? I hear people saying all in Christendom. Oh, I know that the Bible says he took our infirmities by our sicknesses. I know that with his stripes I'm healed. See, they've come to it. How many possess it? How many have entered in before us? How many have made it a possession of their own? Taken it before us? It's a good question. A better question, how many are dwelling in the land? If you think it's exciting to possess it, think of how it would be to dwell in it. Think about what it means to dwell in it. It means you are walking in that secret place. It means that you are fully enjoying the inheritance that was given you when you were delivered from that land, from that bondage. I got too much to say. I got so many more types and shadows to show you. Are we out of tape? Praise God. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.